0: Hey there, I'm Tony from Marathon Mates. This week on the podcast, we answer your commonly asked questions in relation to preparing, running, and importantly, finishing your next marathon. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Welcome to the thrilling world of the Flying Runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. Flying Runner podcast. We are on episode four. I'm Tony and I'm joined once again by Tim and Tara from Team Ellis Running. Now we've got a great episode lined up for you today answering some of the most asked questions people have about marathon training and importantly how to finish your next marathon. But before we get into that, I need to give a shout out to all our new New Zealand listeners. And thank you so much. We actually ranked. We are the eighth biggest podcast in New Zealand running. (laughs) Pretty choice, (laughs) April. Thank you, Terry Frew, and to all of Terry Frew's friends who tuned in last week. We really do appreciate that. And I hope you really enjoyed the episode. So let's get into it. Team Ellis, how has your week been? Well, we've been pretty good. I guess we're starting
1: to, uh, we've come off jetty to jetty last weekend and we're now starting to, to log the kilometres a bit. Um, uh, what did we do last Sunday as our long run was?
2: So we did a half marathon as our long run last weekend, just leading into Berlin, just to see how our legs are feeling after Gold Coast and jetty to jetty again. Um, wasn't fast, wasn't just running for fun, taking photos yeah. and talking to people as we always do which is great, um, and we did parkrun on Saturday yeah. as always.
1: Yeah, so where did we go for parkrun? We went to Kelvin Grove Parkrun. Kelvin run Grove Parkrun. So that's a, a nice sort of parkrun. It's um, one and a half k's out and back, and then you go in the opposite direction, one kilometre and back one kilometre. So um, amazingly, when we were there at parkrun, we bumped into some people we know from Bunyaville who are actually joining us when we go to Berlin. So they're coming to Berlin to run the marathon as well through yeah. Traveling Fit. So Excellent. Paula and Andrew will be there and and uh their friend Beck was there as well at, at Kelvin Grove Park run with mm. us. So
0: yeah.
1: um really like that course. It's it's probably I think what the fourth or fifth time I think we've run it, Tara? Yeah,
2: I think about the fourth yeah. or so. It's got yeah. some gentle inclines nothing like Bunyaville, but it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it gets a little bit cold, but yeah, it is what it is. And and how's your training been, Tony?
0: Yeah, we um we did a sixteen k there on Saturday. Um, it was I think I've mentioned it before. We're doing the high low strategy this time, so this was our low week. So we did a sixteen. Uh, yeah, legs are a little stiff and sore in the calves at the moment. So and that tends to happen once we start building some load in it. So, um, but still generally feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, it's um going to be an interesting week this weekend for us because I've got a small little medical procedure happening on Friday which is going to probably take us out of action for a long run, at least on the Saturday. And uh, as you know, we don't like doing long (laughs) runs. But yeah. anyway, if it's to be, it's uh, that's the way we've got to do it, don't we? So. Yeah,
1: that's it. You've got to just get the distance done when you can do it. But at the same time, you've got to listen to your body. Um, and we'll talk yeah. a bit about this later on. But, um, Very much. You know, so. Watch those calves because those calves tend to flare up and then they lead to hamstring issues and lower back pain. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Stretch them out and, and, and do the right thing.
0: It, it was funny. I was actually having a health check yesterday for the new job that i'm i'm taking on and um she asked me about any muscular skeleto injuries and i said is that broken bones i i don't have a great medical background so is that broken bones she said oh no and you know muscle tears and whatnot oh yeah i've torn taw- 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 my calves a couple of times what yes yeah, so <laughs> just about it there's a cut to- there's a torn calf muscle story in every marathon that i've ever run so but Anyway, I think she was quite shocked that I just sort of accept that as part of what I do. So yeah. um, Now, you two have also got the sunny coast coming up in a couple of weeks, correct?
2: Yeah, I think it must be about maybe two weeks. I yeah, guess yes. it'll be by the time this year is it'll be around about two weeks' yeah, time.
1: 13th of August.
2: Um. So... Yeah. We're just doing the half again, and Patrick, our son, has decided he didn't get enough at Gold Coast, so he's going to join us at Sunny Coast for the half. That's fantastic.
0: That is is fantastic news. And we won't be running at Sunshine Coast, but we'll try and do a – I think we're scheduled to do it like a 25 or a 30 that weekend, so we'll try and knock that over while you guys are – well, we'll do it on the Saturday, as you know. So
1: we've got a so to us, it's it's more about having a bit of fun this one, maybe trialling a few different things in a, in a race circumstance, but nothing too too crazy for us. It will be just a, a, a lighter training run for us and yeah. we come straight back out of that into sort of the longer distances than in the training plan, you know, the 27Ks, the 30K runs, yeah. uh, the yeah. next sort of four or five weeks before we then drop down. It's into all time to
0: build up, isn't it? So. yeah. A little bit of news around the world. We've got the Melbourne Marathon and Half Marathon as sellouts. So I think wow. uh, October 9 or early October is the dates for the uh, Melbourne, and, um, Melbourne Marathon and Half. They call it the Marathon Running Festival and it's really interesting because the only places that you can now register uh, are, are in the 5K, the 10K runs and the 3K walk. So Um, So well done, Melbourne Marathon sellout. And some news on Sydney, we've got the seven-hour cutoff uh, determination or what what it means is that very similar to Boston, the seven-hour cutoff at Sydney will commence from the time the final runner crosses the start line. So if you're in, and I'm not sure how the Sydney Marathon waves are working, but if you're in an earlier wave, you've got well past the (laughs) seven-hour cutoff. But if you're in one of the final waves, you just need to be aware of that. But you probably don't know when the cutoff time is actually because you unless you're the last runner, of course. So um and Sydney, uh their last of the early birds finish on the thirty-first of July. So when this comes out on Friday, you've probably only got two days to take advantage of it. And they're currently got thirteen thousand starters. So I think that's um that's a fantastic. starters equates
1: to probably about ten or eleven thousand finishes. So they're still short of that fifteen thousand finisher uh, number yeah. that they're looking at, but they're well on track for it. They're doing well. Yeah. And you, and, and, uh, you said Melbourne Marathon before, so you yourself and Sharon have done Melbourne before.
0: Yes, we have. Yeah. We did the Melbourne yep. Marathon in 2019, and that to this day is the fastest marathon we've ever run. So. Yeah. Right. um I found it a challenging marathon because that was our second ever marathon and our first one was New York and you're spoiled. I know it sounds horrible. It sounds strange. <laughs> but when you run New York Marathon as your first marathon, you are 100% spoiled and then you go to Melbourne and instead of the streets being lined by thousands and thousands of people, that you might get 10 or 20 <laughs> or 30 and yeah. it, it can be really much. challenging so yeah
1: we did the half there back in it would have been 2017 i think yeah and there's quite sections from what we remember particularly around albert park and the, and the formula one racetrack yeah there's yeah. a lot of crowd in that section
2: we did get greeted yeah. by millions of flies though yeah there's lots of flies oh, okay. yeah we did it so
1: but but the awesome thing that i really love is everyone, no matter which distance you're running, you finish inside the MCG?
0: Yeah, magic, magic. And um, yeah, I, it, that was quite an experience coming into the um, MCG. We missed the cutoff at the 22K mark, I think it was, on St. Kilda Boulevard. So we had to come back. And so we're in sight of the MCG and we're doing loops between Punt Road and I think you had to do seven loops to make up for the uh, the distance that you that you're, uh, you you miss in the course. So that was quite frustrating because there you can see the MCG and you've <laughs> got to do loops. So that was quite challenging. Hey, the other little piece of news is one of our favourite events and one uh, an event that you've done and that Sharon and I have done the Outback Marathon is this Saturday. I'm wrapping the gear. Um, <laughs> And supporting every runner that's out there this Saturday. It's one of the um, if if you haven't considered the Australian Outback Marathon as part of your marathon or running journey, um, please do because there's a range of events. You don't have to do the marathon. There's the half. There's the 11k. I think there's a 7k if I remember Six. rightly.
1: Yeah. Um, Six, I think it is. yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's a range of events, but it's a magical place and a very well organised uh, event
1: definitely definitely one to put on the bucket list for anyone and, and my biggest recommendation is if you do book it spend that little bit of extra and go to the platinum package which is the five day uh package yeah. uh and you get to see everything you see Uluru, you see you see Katajuda, which is the ogres, and you um, get to go for a trip out to king's canyon and, and explore yeah. out there which is truly fascinating but Definitely worth it and definitely if you can afford it to, to step it up to the, the platinum.
2: The Dinner Under the Stars was amazing with the star um, oh, sky yeah. thing. And they just do a fantastic event and I mm. like all the... Um, race director actually calls everybody out by name and he's it's just we've got real serious FOMO that we're not there this year <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we do have Michael coming on the show in a couple of weeks to give us a bit of a recap of the event so that's going to be something to look forward to as well now Tim you've got a little bit of news there about some um, new course records I see. yeah so um
1: there's, there's a lady that runs ultra marathons, well-known in the ultra world, and I'm not sure if everyone knows about her, but her name's Courtney DeWalter. DeWalter. She's a an American lady, and if you get a chance, go and connect up with her on Facebook or on Instagram and just follow follow her her racing that she does. Um, she typically beats the men most of the time. Uh, she runs phenomenal races. She does very little training. She trains by feel, by action. Um, she doesn't have a nutrition plan. She trains if she feels like running. If she doesn't feel like running, she stays at home and, and does nothing. Um, but she's run two of the most difficult races that are out there, particularly in the US. The, the Hard Rock 100, uh, which is a 100-mile race, 33,000 feet of climb or elevation in the wow. race, which is equivalent to about 10 kilometers of elevation, over, over 100 miles, 160 kilometers. Uh, and she she won the women's division won it by about an hour and a half came fourth overall um and um ran it in about 26 hours and 14 minutes but then three weeks earlier um she'd run the western states 100 which is one of the most difficult races over there as well again around about 18,000 feet of elevation which is about five and a half kilometers of of climb Um, Ran in about 15 hours and 29 minutes. Again, won by her her category by over an hour and a half uh, Mm. overall. So she's done background ultras. She's done um, the UTMB in in Mont Blanc. She's done all the big name races and she just gets out there. No fuss, no no real. um, I know she puts in the effort on training, but she just goes with how she feels. She doesn't have a big team behind her. But when you, when you follow her on Facebook and you follow her on Strava and, and see what she's doing in yeah. that ultra world, it's quite phenomenal.
2: She's just a very down-to-earth um, person who yeah. um, will listen to her body and if she can't complete that race, she's like, okay, cool, I'll pull out and we'll start again the next time. She yeah. She's not afraid of listening to her body and yeah. what it can and can't do. Yeah. So it, it's really humbling to watch her she doesn't have any of this fancy running gear she runs in these like almost board shorts and <laughs> t-shirt type things so yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, she just really doesn't have any pretentiousness about her she's very down to earth and humble yeah.
1: and she's, she's followed, we've followed for a number of years and she's quite phenomenal so if you haven't heard about the courtney DeWalter walter story definitely go and google mm. her um It's pretty easy to find it. You type in Courtney DeWalter, D-A-U-W-A-L-T-E-R, and um, you can hear her story. It's quite an amazing story.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, let's um, start looking at some of these marathon tips and tricks. Now, we've basically done some research and we've looked at some of the commonly asked questions from runners on other podcasts and in running groups and so tonight we'll be looking at four main areas preparation and training, nutrition and hydration, uh, mental preparation and race strategy. And finally, we'll be looking at recovery and post. Now, this is designed to help you finish your next marathon, not just lining up for the start. In some ways, that's almost the easy part. So it's about completing the marathon now. Also, please bear in mind we only we only talk from personal experience and knowledge. Um, I'm certainly not qualified in any way, shape or form to be telling you what to be doing. But <laughs> I encourage you to listen in and maybe test some of the stuff that we talk about and see if it works for you. Um, we, we, I think you guys have said you've run eight marathons in the past, or it might be more. I'm probably I'm wrong. that. Yeah, 13, just a little shy of that. So (laughs) (laughs)
2: Sharon
0: and I are sitting around that seven and eight mark ourselves. So we've done a couple. So we've just found little things that help us along the way that may help you. So um, first up, the the first question that we're going to look at is a, a common question that's asked, and it's about the training plan running into a marathon. And uh, so first up, I'm going to ask uh, from Team Ellis Running, what is the ideal duration?
2: Well, so I don't think there is an ideal duration. A lot of people sit there and say that they have to do no more than three hours or that they have to do a certain amount of distance. Um, personally, Tim and I, we run to feel. we um, I can't go as far as what Tim does by any means. Um, Tim will like to run about, what, 37 to 38 kilometres before a marathon as his last long run, whereas I go no more than about 32.
0: Okay. Um,
2: And I can go up to four hours on leg time, whereas Tim goes to about three and a half. I will walk quite a lot of that. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to the four hour mark. And to me, it's about time on legs. It's about letting my body know, because there is no way that I'm going to be doing a marathon under four hours. I'm not that fast. So I like to just let my body know that this is what we're preparing for. It doesn't matter if you're going fast or slow. This is what we're doing. Whereas Tim can go at a marathon a lot faster than I can. So he's quite happy to Bring his speed.
1: I don't know mm. if I'm happy. <laughs> it actually hurts more to run slower. But um, it, it is, um, we're probably the wrong people to ask about plans because we don't actually run off a plan for our marathon. Mm. We have a, an idea of what we want to do. But I know there's other people out there that will go download a plan and they're so religious and so strict to mm. that plan that if it says get up today and run 10, 15Ks, they go out and run 10, 15Ks. We tend to, as Tara says, run by feel, but we also are different in that we have a good, strong foundation base. Yeah,
0: you've got a good load continually from what I've seen based on some of the Strava. There's always a good load and a good foundation and a good base. So, And maybe that gives you a little bit of a quicker turnaround. So I, I know when people are prepping for a marathon a lot of people seem to like to me the common consensus is like this 16 week program mm-hmm. and even if you go into the sydney marathon website there's a couple of free plans there that you can download so if you are a little bit unsure about what a what a plan could or should look like for you maybe download some of those there's beginner intermediate and advanced and all of them are based around 16 weeks now from my own personal experience, sixteen weeks I would find too long, yep. and 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 similar, I, I guess, to Tim and Tara. Even though our base is nowhere near what you guys do on a continual basis, I to me, I I think our ideal prep is around that eight to ten week preparation leading in, so that you sort of. Once again, just look, is uh, get a bit of a rough plan. What are your long runs going to be? We try and do a long run around that 30 to 35. We always run together. That's just part of some of the things that we do. Um, but, it's, but it's an interesting thing because people that do a 16-week also, what I find is that around that eight-week mark, all of a sudden they're in the grind. And, you know, sometimes that's going to have a negative uh, effect on you um, potentially. A lot of people get injured around that eight week mark and they're halfway through their plan. Um, so ultimately it comes back to what feels right for you. And Tim and Tara are constantly telling us, listen to your body. <laughs> and Definitely. and I think that's really important. So
1: Yeah, you're right about those long plans too. I, I know so many people that get to about that eight, 10 weeks. And they just want it all over they're not enjoying the the training they're not enjoying the experience and the marathon is almost like i can't wait to get it done and then it's over and done with and i don't have to tick that box in my life Mm. um and i I get that um we have it so much easier You, you and sharon have it easier you get up you motivate each other you you do your training together um if you are doing it for the first time don't discount a plan. The plans are good. They do tell yeah. you what to do, and they tell you how to get there. And if you do follow the plan, there's no doubt you will achieve the time you want or the or the or the um the distance you're trying to go through. Um, the plans mm-hmm. are good, but as I said, for us, um, you know, I I, I come out of a history as a kid of a, a as a, a competitive swimmer, and yeah. everything I do in running links back to what I was trained as a as a kid and young adult when I was doing my swimming training, which was. Build up a base, you know. Change your distances around. Do, um, you know, short sharps type stuff occasionally. Do long, you know, slow mm. recovery type stuff. Give your body a break. Um, and I've taken that same attitude into how we train for our marathons, which yeah. is very much keep that base up high, and then you know build it up as you need to for a race, and then bring it down after a race, and 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 take some time off. Yeah. Um,
2: so I guess with our first marathon. Our training was completely different to what it should have been. We had yep. trained for Gold Coast half marathon. We both achieved really, really good times. I'd done a sub to, I think Tim had done like a 135 or something like that. So wow. we just, we'd really achieved what we'd looked to do for Gold Coast Marathon, uh, the half marathon there.
0: Mm. And there's about
2: seven weeks, seven to eight weeks between that and um, Sunny Coast. Yeah. And, I just said to Tim, right, if we're going to do a marathon, now's the time to do it. We're trained up. We're at our peak for half marathons. So we didn't really have a lot of time to think about our first marathon. I just said, right, that's it. We're doing it. Signed us up and we just built up the distance from there. And that was still our fastest marathon as well. So,
0: Yeah,
1: so... I think, I think that's the key to it is you've got to listen to your body. You've got to find what is going to work for you. You've got to find something that mm-hmm. keeps you fun and keeps you motivated because those plans can get very um, boring in, in, at times. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is, and it's a common term, it's not something I've invented. It's actually quite a common term in, in, in the running world, but comparison is the thief of joy. And by mm. that it means is don't look at other people and what they're doing on Strava. Don't look at what, you know, somebody else should be doing or what they, they're telling you that you should do. Don't compare yourself to others. Listen yeah. to your body, do your own thing, trust the process, mm. and you'll get there. Once you start comparing yourself to others, trying to pace at somebody else's pace, trying to do somebody else's training program, Inevitably, when we find when we hear about people who get injured, um, yeah, and then they've spent all that time preparing themselves, getting ready for an event, quite often paying a lot of money to go into the event, and then they're injured and they can't run it. Um, Mm. so yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. If you haven't heard that, um, definitely remember that it's not just well, you lead up to a marathon, but in all instances. Strava is one of those things that really kills people off because they see somebody else on Strava and they want to be competitive with that person and they want to try and beat them or there's a segment they want to beat. Mm. But don't try and compare yourself to others. Just run within within yourself, listening to your body.
2: And and a, a walk is better than, like, if you're not feeling up for a run, a 4K walk is better than an 8K run where you're going to damage yourself and get injured for two weeks Whereas yeah. if you walk for four k's, and you can then run again in two days' time, that's much better for your training plan.
0: Yeah, I, I got to agree with you around the comparison. Is the thief of joy of joy because I'll look at Strava and I'll see someone like Terry doing his sixteen k's every day. <laughs> Yeah. And, Never compare and,
2: yourself to Terry. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then I'll see you guys have done a 25 and we've done a 15. I'm thinking, am I on the right plan or,
2: yes. you know, <laughs>
0: so you've just got to really back yourself on what you know and um, and just continue to build into it, which brings us to the next question. And the question is, how do I build up my mileage Um, safely to avoid injuries now I'm going to be the first one here that say I'm not an expert at all Um, my first marathon the New York marathon I didn't run for three weeks before it because I tore my calf muscle so I have all sorts of dramas um, with building mileage safely but I'm getting better at it so In your um, eyes and in your experience, how do you build your mileage uh, safely?
2: So I think the rule of thumb is to go no more than I think it's like 10% or something like that. so. So, like, if you're running 20Ks, don't put it up to, you know, 30K straight away. Tim and I... Obviously, because we have got that foundational base, we're able to sort of go f- straight from doing 10Ks to a half marathon without worry. Yeah. However, I wouldn't be going past that 21Ks myself, even with even with the amount of mileage that I get in my legs. I would go then now to 24, to 27, to 30, and I sort of base it around about a 3K increment each time. Okay. That's for me personally. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's different um, and there can be a lot of walking involved in that as well because you might get to that 27Ks and just go, look, I know I've got to do 30. I'll happily walk the last 3Ks out mm. of that because it's distance and legs and sometimes I might get to the 27Ks and just go, I can't do this and that'll do me for the day and stop. So, yeah. Again, listening to that body and any niggles. Certain pain is okay, but certain pain isn't. So if you're feeling like you're getting any tearing or ripping or mm. anything like that, fatigued muscles is a completely different pain to an injury pain. So I guess it's learning to listen to that part of it as well.
1: Yeah, the three Ks is an interesting one for us because we are, we we go up in increments of three Ks largely because one-and-a-half kilometres out and turning around and going one-and-a-half kilometres back doesn't seem as far. (laughs) Adding an extra one-and-a-half kilometres on is only an extra 10 minutes maybe, maybe less, Mm. 7 to 10 minutes of actual running out and another 7 and 10. So mentally it's not a big step up, but it is an extra 3Ks. And we will sometimes go... 21 to 24 and then maybe hold it at 24 for two weeks three weeks and then if we're Mm -hmm. feeling right we'll go to 27 and if we're feeling good we'll hold it there for a week or two and then go to 30. but if we feel really good we might go from 21 to 24 and then to 27 if we think our body can cope with the loading on it as well The, the other part which you're talking about there is how do i build up my mileage safely and safely being the key word there it's the thing the running plans don't talk about, which is you need to look after your body. You need to make sure you get regular maintenance done on your body. That's massage mm. or acupuncture. It means, you know, giving your body a break from time to time. So
2: And not just running. Strength training is a very important part of mm. your running exercises. So dynamic stretching, um, strengthening, like by doing squats, body weight it doesn't have to be you go to the gym and lift weights or anything. You can do anything at home. You use your bands, you know, those resistance bands and stuff, um, things like that. that yeah. You don't have to be technical with it. YouTube will show you some very, very good
0: yeah, uh,
2: yeah. techniques as well. Yeah. But, yeah, strengthening is very important to those glute muscles, your core muscles, because mm. that's where your running comes from. So yeah. if you're not yeah. strengthening muscles... You can't expect your body just to run.
1: Yeah, and and as I said, the massage. So about once a month we get a massage, particularly when we're in heavy training, um, and that just clears all the gunk out of the legs. It, it loosens up all the muscles, gets rid of those knots. Mm. And that, that, for us, largely helps prevent a lot of injury, as does running in the right shoes and making sure you're rotating your shoes and you're not running in shoes that have gone past their prime. A lot of yeah. people who are new to running will run, in shoes that they've bought a year ago or six months ago and they feel comfy but they don't realise they've already done maybe a 1,000 kilometres in those shoes and they're no good for running anymore and they're leading to other injuries. So it's about knowing your body, knowing the gear you're running with but also doing that maintenance on your Mm. body, the strength, the the massage, you know, the rest when it's tired and it needs a rest, you rest it.
2: And sleep. It's really important to try and get as much sleep as you can yeah, as
0: well.
2: absolutely. don't absolutely. try and survive on five hours sleep and then go and expect your body to go and run a 30k
0: mm.
2: training run the next day. Um I know Tim and I joke about having a beer the night before a marathon. Yep, we have one yep. beer, but we do, we certainly don't <laughs> get on it, that's for sure, before before we um yeah. have a yeah. long one.
1: And, and and the key to it, I think you've said it already, Tara, earlier on is distance beats pace.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: don't worry about running you know at 5 minute pace or trying to you know set up you know the 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 world's fastest time for that race or that training session back it off a bit because the distance in the legs is more important than the actual mm. pace in the training
0: yeah and one of the the other little things that Sharon and i now do is that when we're doing a long run we prep like it's race day so we yeah. get all our gear out the night before we have you know the the carb load we we um make sure that we do exactly what we do would do on a race day yep, and, absolutely. Then, and then obviously the long run we map out the course and i i think long long run strategies is a show in itself so but yeah there are so many things to um be mindful of within your plan but the key is that you want to be showing up there on race day refreshed and ready to go and Um, So that's about building that mileage safely and making sure that whatever plan that you're on uh, caters for that. Now, I will say in YouTube there are a number of people who have documented running a marathon without any training. So if you wanted to understand what it was like, go onto YouTube and do a search of I ran a marathon without any training and you will get a feel for what um, some of these people went through. So, All <laughs> we right, got- let's look. At- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. So, let's look at nutrition and hydration. And this is a little bit prior to you know the whole concept here is about what am I, how am I hydrating and and fueling both my training and the marathon. So. Let's uh, let's one one of the things that always strikes me here is the concept of don't do anything new on race day. And in so many ways, it's you can almost bring that into long run. But sometimes you've got to be testing some things in long run because it's less um, risky. I guess you can always cut a long run short. You can't drop out of a race day. So um, so during the let me just uh, I've lost my question. So what should I be eating before, during? And so let's talk about the marathon day itself. So what should I be eating before, during and after the marathon? And Tara, I know that this has been an ongoing journey for you with your nutrition. So let's, uh,
2: let's start with you. Okay. So um, it's taken me up to marathon number 10 to get this correct. Um, so it took a long time of trial and error. With myself, I know that if I eat too much the day before or the morning of, I will get stomach cramps and I can't continue on. Like it just does not work for me. So I will usually have a heavier lunch the day before um, and usually nothing with any fibre, usually just really plain carbs, really Mm -hmm. boring stuff. The night prior, I'll eat maybe a slice of really plain pizza like um, a margarita pizza or something like that. And the morning of, I normally will stick with something very, very plain. So it will normally be either a banana, depending on the distance I do, or a piece of toast with just or two pieces of toast with just a little bit of um, honey sometimes just for that sugar side of things. I try to drink all of my fluids the day prior and then stop drinking at around about maybe 6 o'clock at night and just having little sips of water from then on in. And the morning of I try to drink just little sips of water as well. This just stops those toilet breaks that I need to have. It stops any stomach upsets. Mm. And then I just can focus on the race itself. Um, And depending on when I've fed Like when I've had breakfast, the morning before a marathon, I will have breakfast typically about two hours prior to racing, two to three hours prior to racing. And then I start my nutrition on course one hour in and then every 45 minutes.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and with that nutrition during the race, what does that look like for you, um, for you Tim? Is that gels that you're taking as you go through? Yeah. And do you follow a similar path during the race? Yes. Yeah, so
1: Tara and I, we, we we actually have invested in and gone and seen a sports nutritionist, Dietician. dietitian before. Mm. Um, and she gave us a bit of a plan and give us, gave us a bit of a discussion. So um, I think we've talked about it before, but... You know the the days leading into the race you do your carbo load but carbo load doesn't mean much more than just having one extra piece of carbo hydrate yeah. during those couple of days on the race day you know we were at the same bit i am a bigger person so i need a little bit more when i'm mm. running a little bit more for breakfast but again it's the same sort of foods it's it's maybe a, a banana or a cliff bar or a um a couple of pieces of toast or an english muffin or two for breakfast and then out on, out on the actual course, it doesn't really change. I'm, I've got a pretty easy gut. So I'm fortunate I can have um, most of the nutrition that's provided on the course as far as the electrolyte drinks go. I can drink that without any real issues uh, anywhere yeah. I go. I'm fortunate. I know others like Tara really struggle in that space. And as far as food goes, I, I mix it up a little bit. I do get sick and tired of one thing for the entire race every every sort of 45 minutes. So I'll take some shop blocks and I'll take some Morton gels um, and I'll mix it up. And I also add in a caffeine strip. So a Revy's caffeine strip, I'll have that as well. Um, yep. And maybe a caffeine gel, just depending on how I'm tracking at that point. Um, mm. But um, the caffeine you gotta be really careful with if you have caffeine and you're exercising and you're pushing yourself to the limits, especially if you're taking other uh, painkillers and things like that mm. along the way actually quite detrimental to you especially if you get dehydrated and um, it can cause
2: stomach upsets and it can cause stomach upsets, well. upsets so
1: again it's stuff you need to train for i as i said I'm, I'm pretty relaxed in my gut i can have most things without too many issues um but as far as the um electrolytes go i'll try and grab one of them from about 10 k's onwards i'll try and grab one at every drink station where there's an electrolyte offered just to replace mm. the salts in my body i do sweat an awful lot I do lose a lot of salt. In fact, uh, if you see me after race, if I've got a dark hat on or a dark shirt, it's just covered in white stains mm. from the salt coming out. So I'm aware of that. So I do try to drink a lot more electrolyte when I'm on course than what maybe others might do. Um, and yeah, every 45 minutes for me, I take, you know, two shot gel, two shot blocks or a gel.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I there's obviously some level of carbs that you need to be replenishing and and I think it's important for everyone to actually acknowledge that because when I first started, you know, longer runs or marathons or half marathons, I thought it was a great opportunity for me to lose some weight. And <laughs> and, no. and it doesn't work. It doesn't work because you're not at your optimum, your body's starting to shut down and it's starting to do things that it shouldn't be doing and so you do need to understand so I try and I think I've spoken about once again before I I don't like gels but I use little blocks Mm -hmm. um, from precision uh, nutrition and each one of them is 60 grams of carbs so I take 30 grams every 5k and uh, so it's half a block so and if I haven't cut them up the night before I'll just chew into it so um, so that's my nutrition while I'm on course. And um, the other thing that uh, gets asked a lot when you're leading into big marathons especially, and no doubt you guys have seen this in any Berlin marathon group, that people worry about hydration on on um, the course. And there isn't a marathon that we've run where hydration, that they've never put water out or they've never put electrolyte drinks out there's always water on the course and but it also then begs the age old question how much water should i be drinking and especially during the race but also during training i I know you guys sort of map out your training session where your water um where there is water available for for example but how much water should i be drinking and what have you guys learned along the way
2: so we have the water stops along the way obviously where we do our training, we also carry our own hydration packs with us and that's mainly because it adds extra weight to our body so that when we're running in the race, Mm. um, we've lost that weight and it makes us faster. But no, we carry um, all of our other nutrition in those packs as well, so it makes it easier for us. I know myself after having done so many marathons that you can get a thing called hyponutremia. So if you take in too much water, and now this happened to me at the Outback Marathon, and this has happened to me at Gold Coast twice, where I've had a really hot run, so you think you need more water. By doing so, what happens is it actually creates um, a dilution of your electrolytes and stuff inside your body and Mm -hmm. creates some really bad chemistry going on in there the nicest way to put it is once you've lost your nutrition you can't get it back again and you can't recover so once you get to that point that's when you like hit the wall or you just can actually do some serious damage and even death so Mm. having too much water can actually be quite as detrimental as not having enough Every single person is obviously different on how much nutrition and how much water they need to take in depending on body size, how much they sweat, how their body metabolises. It is something that you do need to practise and that is where your long runs come into it. So mm. by practising on your long runs, you learn very quickly how much you should and shouldn't take in. Yeah. So, great advice, yeah.
0: great advice. The trick
1: is also um, no two races are the same as far as where their water stations are located. Mm. So it is about knowing before you go into the race where those water stations are and, and knowing about that before you're training. So is the first drink station at three kilometres or five kilometres that could, could make a difference. And And for us in our mm. training, we do try to replicate at times where the, the drink stations might be. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to know from a, um, from a food point of view, if you're taking gels or you're taking, you know, cliff blocks or whatever, you need to wash them down with water. It's part of the process of, of digestion. Mm-hmm. You need the water to come through. So you need to have your gel, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes before you have your water. So you need to know where those water stations are in order to plan out when you have your gels or yeah. your, um, your yeah. nutrition along the way. So it is important. And just on that hyponitrema, this is the actual definition I found about it during the week. It It's caused when sodium levels drop in fluids outside the cells, water gets in there and then attempts to balance the concentration of salt on the outside of the cells. The abundance of water... Yeah. In there will then cause the cells to swirl and most cells can then adapt um whilst most cells can adapt to change the brain cells can't yeah and that's when you can cause all sorts of damage if you have too much water out there so it is something to be mindful of and yeah. drink stations i've we've worked it out now we only need a little gulp at each station we don't need to drink the whole cup they give you a whole cup of water but you really only need a small amount each time yeah uh, and the trick is to monitor your levels we we monitor it when we're running Um, The first check is, am I sweating? Yes. Am I continuing to sweat? Yes. Am I not sweating? Well, that's problematic. I probably need to drink water and slow down a bit, right? And they're they're the key tricks to it and monitor your sweat levels.
0: Yeah, it's almost like if you're feeling the need to gulp down water, you've probably gone already past a stage that um, could potentially be dangerous. So you then just need to reassess your goals and, and maybe, as Tim said, slow down and maybe just, you know, take a little bit of that stress off your body. So, um, one of these days, I'll share the story around my Boston Marathon because, you know, that was fundamentally dehydration 101. So, yep. um, but and the lessons you learn from these errors that we make along the uh, along the way make us smarter and better. Um, Individuals, I guess. So Supposedly. let's look at that. Now, yeah. My wife would disagree with that statement. <laughs> um, but I'm getting smarter, but anyway, um, let's look at mental preparation and race strategy. So let's look at first: how do I stay motivated during those long training runs? Team Ellis, what are your thoughts? Well, do you, do you can listen to the Flying
2: Runner podcast to begin <laughs> with. That would be the best motivation. Um, <laughs> we tend to do our long runs, especially when we're training for the majors or overseas marathons. We run together. So we sort of uh, map out what our last week's been like, what our week ahead's going to be. We talk about everything in life. Um, I know it seems weird. People... Other people go on date nights and have dinner. Tim and I have Sunday morning <laughs> runs together to, you know, for our date mornings. I guess we also um, have
0: date nights. <laughs> yes, yes, we do actually do those as well. But, um, yeah, shopping for new running shoes, maybe. Yes, right. That's, right. that's right. <laughs>
2: um, to me, we have. Um, headphones like bone conducting headphones aftershocks so that we can listen to some music or podcasts we motivate ourselves as well by just putting ourselves into a different spot like so when you're in a really really tough position at when you're in on a bad run you can just it could be worse i could be in this position or i could be Mm -hmm. doing this i'm very lucky i've got two legs at work I'm grateful for that. I'm healthy, I'm fit, and I'm able to be out here in the sunshine. It's yeah. warm or even if it's bucketing down rain, you've got feelings. You've got, you know, you bring yourself back to what you were actually feeling at that time. And it's mm-hmm. okay to feel bad when you're running. It's okay to feel like absolute crap is the nicest way to put it. That You know, it's not all fun and games, but... If you can actually enjoy it, put a smile on your yeah. face, and just go. It could be much worse. That's yeah. how. That's personally how I do it anyway. Yeah, and are, once are,
0: again.
1: Yeah, we are fortunate. We we've got each other. We've got a routine where every Sunday we get up at four thirty and we're out the door by five, five. and we're mm-hmm. out there starting a run at five thirty, and we run the same course, so we're familiar with where we're going. We know what we're doing, and our course is pretty stunning. We overlook yeah. overlook the bay. Um, but other motivations, I guess, if you're running by yourself, could be to go and find a running club or find other people mm-hmm. that you can meet up with on your run. Um, even where we run, we say good day to every runner as we run past them and, yeah. you know, well done, give them some motivation. And, you know, you got some feedback this week um, from from some random person on on one of the um, Facebook sites you're on, Tara.
2: Yeah, so because obviously we run the same course, we wave. Hello good morning we recognize the same runners don't always know these people but um on running mums australia there was a post that said oh you know just wanted to give a big shout out to the lady and man that we I see running every sunday morning you always say hello she put the shout out on rma and i'm like oh i think you're talking about my husband and i and then she's like mm-hmm. yes so yeah you don't realize no that you're good to that. motivating other yeah. people. So it's yeah. So yeah. just yeah. a
1: simple simple thing of saying hello as you run past other runners and saying good job or well done. Yeah, yeah. you don't know All what that does jokes. to somebody else. And and as well, it makes us feel pretty good. It gets us out of the routine of talking to one another. We're talking to somebody else as we go past. Yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah.
0: And making their day. So let's talk about race day and What are some of the strategies that can help people push through the fatigue that we're obviously going to feel during the race? Now, I'm going to start this one off because I've got actually a pretty interesting mental strategy. And, you know, there are some people that can't sleep before a marathon. There are other people that just worry about things like getting to the start line, all that sort of stuff. And the way I look at it, and this is going to sound really strange to everyone, I, I look at it that I've had some pretty crap days at work and I've managed to get through them. So whether it's eight hours or seven hours or 10 hours or 12 hours back in the younger days, I've had some pretty crap days and I've managed to get through them. So all I'm thinking about is the day before going to, when I go to bed is I've got, you know, potentially five, six hours on the course tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's it. I've I'm, And I'm going to get through it just like I've got through my really bad days at work. And so that helps me get, and of course, having everything prepped out the night before is also part of the strategy, but I I get not a bad night's sleep prior to a marathon. So that's, and then on the start line, I just know I've got six hours in front of me at most and I'm going to get through it. So I hope that that helps people with their mental strategies. Um, Prior to the New York, we had the pleasure of listening to Rob D. Costello. He was there with the Indigenous Marathon Foundation and he just talked simply as well, just one step in front of the other. So as you're finding it tough during those marathons, one step in front of the other, and it doesn't matter if that's a running step or a walking step, you know, the amount of people that um, may you know, whenever I tell people I've run a marathon, people always say, oh, the first question I often get is, oh, so how long was that? Uh, <laughs> 42.2 kilometres. And then oh, and you ran the whole way. It's almost like, well, no, there were there were stages that obviously Sharon and I used the jeffing method, but most people, you know, we even heard from Terry there last week that, you know, mm. every now and again he's just got to stop, reassess, walk for 20 seconds and get going again. So it's one step in front of the other, and if we continue to do that, we're going to get to the uh, the finish line. So, in regards to mental strategies, and we need to start getting quick, but because we're running out of time. And ah, oh, so mental strategies for you two. What do you guys employ while you're during during the race? Um. Yeah. Look, my
2: my mental strategy, I guess, is just to have a good time i've paid money for this i want to finish it so if i don't have a good time while i'm doing it what's the point in in running like Mm. so to me i I, my motto has always been finish lines not finish times so if i stop and take selfies with friends or if i want to take a photo of something i will i don't care i want to enjoy my marathon I know that sounds weird, but I enjoy my marathons. I enjoy the long distance.
0: So, yeah. And you guys do. Whenever I see your long runs or running in the the races, there's always random selfies with people that you've come across, and I I think that's amazing. So enjoying yourself is absolutely a strategy. So the next question in this segment I'm going to – Hand it over to Tim to answer. I'm going to combine two questions. <laughs> um, the first one is about how should I pace myself to avoid burning out early in the marathon, and I think Tara wrote Tim needs to kick this off. So I'm thinking there's a story. <laughs> right and then um, sure. should I have a should I have a race plan or should I just simply aim to finish? So Tim, how would you answer those questions?
1: So. The racing pace is an interesting one because you, you always go in, in with a plan and I think for the first 12 marathons I've run, okay, I've run a number of them with Tara or whatever and the ones I've run with Tara, we've run more or less to the plan that we wanted but the ones where I've run by myself, I've always gone out too hard, too fast. The body feels really good. You've had a wonderful taper you're feeling good, you're getting through the first 10Ks, you're not feeling any pain, the legs feel bulletproof, you feel awesome, you're five minutes in front of where you should be at 10Ks and you're thinking, wonderful, I'm going to get a PB, everything's going to fall into place. You get to 20, 21Ks and, again, you're starting to feel bulletproof again. You've hit the halfway point and you're going, this is fantastic. And then inevitably what I find is my pace then just drops off rapidly down to, Mm. um, you know walking pace so you've got to go in with a realistic pace that you want to do but you've also got to go in with a plan and for me i always have a plan a a plan b and a plan c (laughs) plan a might be i want to go sub four hours yeah plan b might be okay if i don't get sub four hours and something goes wrong plan b is going to be i want to be sub four hours 30 Mm -hmm. and then plan c is well, that's out the window. I'm just going to have some fun <laughs> in the end, right? And yeah. plan C is always, it's blowing up, it's exploded. But you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm really going to just enjoy whatever's left of this and get through to the end as best I can. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Thankfully, I haven't had to get to plan C very often where it's all turned, <laughs> turned to shit. But I have missed plan A many times because I've gone out too hard too early. And yeah. the trick for me and and most other people who who do a lot of running, we'll always say, whilst the body feels good, just back it off over those first 10 kilometres. And I think there's there's a 10-10-10 model, which I can't remember exactly what it is, but for the first 10 miles, which is 16 kilometres, you know, run with the the head, which basically means slow down and just stick to what you wanted to do. Don't run any faster. The next 10 miles, which gets you to 32 k's, is run with the heart and really just get, you know the body moving get to 32ks because as as we know and I think you said it last week that's when the real marathon sort of starts and then the last 10 kilometers is basically hang on for for dear life and get to the end, right? <laughs> and then the 10 10 10 model is yeah. part of that plan A or pacing strategy that you have.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but yeah it's definitely something mm. i'm not an expert on i haven't really ever run a marathon to the pace that i wanted to i think gold coast this time around just recently was probably the closest i went out at a very even comfortable pace till i hit about 28 k's and then started to get a bit twingy from
0: mm.
1: maybe the previous days running maybe the load i've had previously in the hamstring that hamstring tightened up and i just backed it right off and then got to 30 k's and thought well stuff and i'm gonna go with uh, plan B: Go sub four hours thirty and just make it to to home in that time. Um, yeah. Which I I did it with with plenty of time to spare and enjoyed the experience for what it was.
0: Yeah, absolutely great advice there. And it's um once again just that whole pacing scenario. And I love that the comment about running with your head because, um, as, especially some of the majors, they they start with a downhill. And yeah. you know, London yeah. starts with a downhill. Boston starts with a downhill, and it is easy to get carried away and go with the flow. And um, it is important to understand that as part of your, whether you call it a plan or a strategy, to run to the what you want to do, not necessarily how you're feeling, because. Um, when you hit those hills at um, 25 or 35 k's at boston you certainly feel Mm -hmm. if you went out too early (laughs) let's let's talk recovery then post race or even recovery and post um, long run so uh, the questions are what should i do for recovery after the marathon and how long should i take a break from running before resuming training and interestingly some of the things that we do Sharon and I do are are things that you're probably not going to do each and every day so we call a bottle of coke uh, the red ambulance and Mm -hmm. uh, we got that name when we were listening to some of the podcasts in preparation for London they call it the red ambulance so I've got no idea what it does but it's just one of those amazing things that just seems to Help. And sugar. <laughs> yeah. So, so whether it's the sugar or there's some magic formula in there, it just helps. So, uh, and having uh, the red ambulance attend to you after the mar- marathon or a long run is a good positive way. And the other thing we love is getting a Macca's chocolate thick shake. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. the only drama we have with that is that most of the Macca stores, um, thick make shake machines rarely are operating (laughs) and there's nothing more frustrating for us than going through a drive through of maccas to say two large chocolate thick shakes and they say i'm sorry our thick shake machine's not working (laughs) so but yeah i mean so they're two of the things that we swear by what about you guys
2: so the 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 thick shake is a great one because that's the protein so one thing that you must do after exercising or any for any muscle repair is to have protein as soon as you can because it um, increases the repair time for your muscles so you can actually recover a lot faster having protein so obviously milk has that protein the chocolate has the you know the Mm -hmm. sugars and stuff like that i will make protein balls for tim and i so they're just like major dates and oats and almonds some other nuts, some cacao, see like just a bit of everything mixed together, and protein powder mixed in yeah. with it. We will always eat those afterwards, and we'll also have some um, electrolytes straight away afterwards as well. So, just to keep my, you know, keep everything flowing through our body to make sure that it's working the way it should afterwards, and to making sure that those muscles repair very quickly. We yeah. also stretch. So before we even shower, we stretch. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And how long do you normally take a break from running after a marathon?
2: Um, after a marathon, we will walk. Usually the next day, go for a bit of a walk. Um, mm. It depends on how far we feel it going. We will start running properly. Properly running, um, probably the Saturday afterwards for Park Mm. Run. And it's a gentle run. We're certainly not breaking any world records there. Usually around about 30 to 35 minutes we'll sit for Park Run. Um, But, look, everyone's different as to speed. Sometimes we can walk it. So it depends on how we're feeling. We certainly don't get back into the running, hard, hard running straight away. We normally just walk it out until we're feeling Mm, ready for it. Usually
1: a couple of weeks before we get back into the hard running again your body's going to have a lot of micro tears in those muscles and they do take some time to heal yeah um, you know and so as we said earlier you've got to listen to your body you've got to know what your body's wanting and craving and doing that we know people that go straight back into running and, and we've just done that now we've gone straight off gold mm-hmm. coast doing a double straight back into running because we have to for berlin um but it's slower
2: and it's slower and it's, it's a slower, lot slower and
1: it's a lot easier And we'll gradually build it up. But after Berlin, we'll probably take almost probably, you know, three, four weeks off after Berlin as far as our long, long runs go and maybe only do a a park run and Mm -hmm. and some midweek running light stuff until we're ready to get going again. Um, But it really is an individual thing um, and it's about listening to your body. Um, If you turn around the day after the marathon and you go and run another, you know, 5K, you know, sub-20-minute time at, you know, PB um you, you're probably going to end up doing some damage to your to your body. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Great advice once again. Um final question and it's one not on uh, not on whatever they use not on notice or on yep. notice. Um what shoes are you planning to run Berlin in? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I I love my Brooks Ghost. Um a lot of people don't like them for long runs. They say they're too cushioned. I really like them. I will use my brooks ghosts for all my runs so oh, i'm just a little bit biased um yeah, i don't fine. change my shoes around too much i will alter like from this color brooks ghost to this color brooks ghost but i don't <laughs> I, like like, you know, monday might be purple uh... and Tuesday might be green but i don't actually change my shoe brands or Style, um, unless I'm going to a glycerin, really, I think that's really the only other one I go into. But yeah, Brooks, I'm yeah. happy with yeah. them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I'm both of us have um some feet issues that we see a podiatrist for. Um, and you know, we have orthotics that we wear. So, a Brooks shoe, particularly the Brooks Ghost, is a nice neutral shoe for us and our orthotics. Uh, and it suits our feet and and our running conditions i guess that we've yeah. got um yeah. so yeah we'll change if the podiatrist says that the the next version of the brooks isn't as good for our feet and then we'll change to whatever he recommends but at the moment for us
0: both it's Ghost 14.
2: what about you tony what are you running in
0: well i might um share that a little <laughs> bit later so at the moment i'm i am got uh two pairs of shoes in rotation one is the coney tempest for my long runs and mm-hmm. And I find that shoe, I love Sakoni shoes. I I run in the guides for my daily smaller runs and uh, I run in the Tempest for my longer runs, but I also run as part of that rotation in the Hoka Hoka, Hoka Arari 5s. Okay. So I do have a box sitting in behind my background that is my (laughs) neck because I like to get shoes just for running a marathon I'll probably open that box maybe five weeks before the marathon and just wear them in a little bit so but uh, I might do that unboxing on a video or something
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah um, I, I swear by Ciccone shoes I was a Brooks, Brooks Adrenaline um, person um, and in my journey, I've gone from ASIC's Kayanos to Brooks Adrenaline's to um, now being an absolute devotee of the Siccone Ranger shoes. So awesome. Yep. Um, also, guys,
1: it comes back to that comparison is the thief of joy, right? So there's a mm. lot of people out there that, oh, what shoes are you wearing? Oh, I'll wear the same. Don't. Yeah. Just wear yeah. what's with your feet. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. We don't
2: complete. And we include everyone else.
0: And there, there's some real strategies around buying shoes, can I tell you? So 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 many people like when shoes come out and you know you're looking at 270 bucks for mm-hmm. brand new models, there are strategies in place that you can get them for much cheaper. And maybe that's another show oh, right. that we yeah. can share with that because um you know. Tim made mention that, uh, you know, potentially there's some runners out there that just have the same shoe and they just weren't in the same shoe each and every day until it's like worn out and walking itself. And then there's other shoes and and other runners, sorry, that probably have a plethora of shoes that they they take half an hour to choose which shoe they're going to run in every each and every day. So there's this real range of runners, but, you know, fundamentally you don't have to be going out of your way to buy the most expensive shoes you've got to get shoes that work for you and when you find shoes that work for you stay with them and and I can tell you the reason why I've shifted from shoes the whole way um not enough time on today's episode to do that but I think I've finally <laughs> fallen in love with the shoes that I need so all right guys what a great chat um as I said we've sort of run mm-hmm. out a little bit of time here but we never don't have enough time to hear Tim's funny. So uh, one of the highlights of the show, I'm told. So uh, I think you're Tim a lot says of,
1: that. You're putting a lot of pressure on me, Goss. <laughs> so I came across this one the other day. So this this way this made me laugh. It's a it's a term. It, um, it's a term called run hole. Have you heard the term run hole before? No. No. So a run hole is a is a runner who's missed a train run. And uh, as a result of missing that training run, they become quite aggressive and rude. So as in, hey, Tony, did you miss your run today? Because I think you've been a real run hole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one was a bit funnier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I, I can understand that. I know some people exactly like that. Yeah. Hey, next uh, week we have an amazing episode so tony to tim what's coming up on <laughs> next week's episode see we we are organized here i've got a a, a, got a, a sheet here so what's yep. coming up next week
1: well i don't want to blow our trumpets here tony but i think we've got a massive show not not just a massive show a big show no what's bigger than big an enormous show next week <laughs> right and and i'm not i'm not I'm not underestimating that. In fact, I'm going out on a limb to say that this is our best ever podcast. It's sort of hard when it's going to only be our fifth podcast, but I don't know. We've had
2: some pretty good podcasts. This one's going to
1: blow everyone away. So, in our next episode, we're going to have the very special honor of speaking to an absolute legend of Australian running. I'm not going to give anything away at the moment, but this person is a household name. Uh, you would have heard of this person. Um, this person has been involved in Australian running for a very long time and has been on the world stage. Um, and we're gonna say this is one episode that you're not gonna want to miss. It's gonna, <laughs> be a, it's gonna be a very entertaining and exciting uh episode to listen to, so
0: stay tuned. Mm. Yeah, can't and wait. I just cannot wait. I am so excited about the the person that we are going to be talking about and sharing with you, our listeners and audience. Anyway, that brings us to an end. Um, if you have enjoyed the show or if you've enjoyed the tips, let us know. Let us know. Put some wherever you're watching this. Um, you're on our Facebook page. Let us know what are some of those tips that you found beneficial today or maybe share some of your own tips to, to help the community if you've Uh, If you do, um, if you have those tips, if you've enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe wherever you've listened or watched the episode. Of course, as we know, video of this episode is available at Spotify and YouTube and audio is on Apple, Amazon and Google podcast platforms and so many other more and so many other podcast (laughs) platforms we are getting right out there, which is fantastic remember everyone every step forward is a victory lace up hit the road and we will catch you on our next episode until then happy running
2: happy running happy
0: running see you later